Hi, I'm Jo Clark, and thanks so much for joining me today. This is the Redefining Midlife podcast, a podcast designed for the 40 plus woman who is determined to challenge society's myths and beliefs around midlife. It's for the woman who is inspired and ready to define midlife her way. Join me each week as I chat to health and wellness experts for up-to-date information on how to live well, as well as some special conversations with incredible everyday women redefining what midlife can look like. Here's to making our next half of life even better than the first. Welcome to episode 63 of Redefining Midlife. Today, you're going to meet Belinda Joyce. I met Belinda this year in my business mastermind, and she's a fabulous example of thinking outside the box to create new and exciting career opportunities. And she's an incredibly experienced and accomplished midwife, maternal and child health nurse, mother of four, and author of the book, Survive and Enjoy Your Baby, How to Find Your Path to Parenthood. Now, for over 20 years, Belinda has worked with thousands of parents and newborns, which encompasses childbirth education, prenatal, labor, birth, postnatal, and special care nursery. She's also an experienced maternal and child health nurse, performing home visits and consultations with families and children from newborn to school age, as well as parent groups and mothers groups. Belinda's all too familiar with the challenges and the joys that come up with parenting and the common problems such as feeding, crying, sleep and exhaustion. Whew, I'm sure it takes me back in you too to a busy and exhausting time of life. But in our chat today, we talk about her early days, her family life and the emotions that come with having an empty nest. And then we really get into her evolving career. And although Belinda still loves her career, she wants to be able to use her extensive skills, her experience and knowledge in a different way. And I just love hearing all about it. She shares how she's taken a huge leap in her late 40s to grow a brand new business that provides online resources and programs for mums, corporate parent groups, and her brand new membership, The Baby Circle, which is a wonderful supportive online community for new mums. Welcome to the Redefining Midlife podcast, Belinda. I am looking forward to our conversation here and it's wonderful to have you on. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm super keen to have you on as a guest because you're another amazing example of how we can redesign and redefine our work and life as we get older. So we're going to talk about the process you went through, what you, where you came from to what you're doing now and where you would like it to go. Before we do that, I'd like to learn a little bit more about you as a person and so the, the ladies who are listening can get an idea of, of, of who we're talking to as well. So tell us a little bit more about where you grew up in your childhood. Oh, I was born in Ballarat, Victoria, and I've lived here for the majority of my life with just one brother. Oh, with just one brother. Okay. And he stayed there as well? Yes. <laughs> Ballarat must be pretty good. It's a great place to live, great place to raise a family. What are your favourite memories of that time when you were when you were a younger child? I think family time, spending time with my parents, going out, you know, um, we did a little bit of camping, going to um, uh, just picnics and the zoo and those kind of things. I think they planted the seed for what I wanted to do with my children. Yeah, and did you actually do that because you different thing when you're a child to think oh, oh I want to do that but you actually did that with your kids as well yes <laughs> and are they some of their favorite memories also 
yes, they are. They're the things that are in the photo albums too. So you get reminded of them regularly, which is lovely. Oh, that's good. That's lovely. And tell me about your, you've you've got a background in midwifery and maternal health, as we heard in the, the intro. So did little Belinda spend a lot of time playing dollies and uh, maybe nurse role playing when she was a young child? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I did lots of that. Um, loved playing mums and dads, I think we used to call it, even at primary school. Yeah, And yeah. always, if there was a baby around, always the one to be wanting to have a hold, always handing them back when they started crying, though, because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know what to do with them. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember that was some of my favourite memories. There was a um, best friend from primary school and I, we used to just play dollies all the mm-hmm. time, go to each other's places and yeah, it was that whole, that whole, um, you know, looking after them and having a variety of dollies and everyone taking turns in the feeding. And I remember the baby alive. I remember I got a baby alive for Christmas one year and when you could actually feed the baby or the doll, and at the wheeze and poos, and that was just so special. You you were so lucky. I didn't get one of those, oh. but I did have lots of other dolls, and <laughs> they were very precious, and I used to dream about one day when I'm a real mum. It was yeah. very, very important from a really early age. Yep, yep, same, same. But it's amazing. I Like I love the dollies and the pretending of dollies, but for me, and everyone's different, I used to feel like a pariah when I would say this out loud, because other women couldn't understand how I could possibly think or say that, the really early stages of, um, you know, the the child's life, I I really struggle with my kids. Not struggled. I didn't enjoy it. Yes. And there's lots of people who feel that way. But you feel bad in saying that and admitting Mm. it. So you've got to love it. And you go, I don't. I loved it more when they were able to move and talk. And, you know, that that for me, whereas other mums were probably tearing their hair at that stage. It's so nice that you're able to talk about that because it normal normalises it for so many other mums and dads because we do get that picture of, you know, you fall in love with your baby through the pregnancy and then they're born and you're just going to look at them and immediately love them. And for so many parents, that is not the case. Mm-hmm. And then they feel like failures from day one, which is so wrong. It is uh, wrong. It's actually yeah. really common. Is it? Yes. Yeah, it wasn't as though I didn't love my baby Oh, I do, I love them dearly. I mean, you do anything for your for your little baby, but it was, it was just not enjoying that stage. Yes, and I was somebody. I suppose I always worked with 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 young children, yes. so to have this completely um, demanding little baby, and then you couldn't work out what on earth was wrong. And I was in isolation. Like my husband and I were isolated at the time, living on the property, so there was no one to talk to. There was no one around to help. And you were really, oh my God, how do I, how do I get through this stage? It's so hard. And I had great kids. They slept well, they fed well. But that would have been so hard. hard. Yeah, it was. And it was. And I think the work that you do, and that's why it's so important. And we'll talk about the work that you are doing um, and what you're wanting to do is so so critically important because it's it's an isolating feeling. <laughs> Just becoming a new mum and being home with the baby, even if you're in a busy city with, Mm. you know, many people around you still feels isolating. But to be actually isolated rurally as well, that's really tough. It is is tough. It was, uh, I learned a lot about myself. Mm. And as, you know, kids are great teachers, aren't they? 
yeah, they bring out forces. The they can bring out the best and the worst in you, and you've really got to look up, look at yourself under a magnifying glass and sort yourself out because another little life's depending on you. Yeah, you have no choice. No, no, not at all. Anyway, we went down a fairly big um, rabbit hole that I wasn't expecting then, Belinda. <laughs> so, did you go straight from high school into nursing, or is that did I you did have a break? Okay, I did. Yes, yep. um, I applied and I got in, which was great. Uh, I was able to study locally, uh, which was really wonderful. I could stay at home. And I I have to say through the training, there were parts I liked and parts I didn't like, yeah. but I got out the other end and yeah. then was able to specialise later. Okay, so at what stage did you specialise in, in midwifery? I did midwifery after I'd had my first two babies, so my second one was about 16 months old when I started. So it was definitely a juggle. Yeah. But I had wanted to do that since before, since I started nursing. It was always the plan to go back and do midwifery. And at that point, that was the only way to become a midwife. There were no direct entry midwifery programs. Okay. So I uh, I went back and um, studied that over 18 months mm-hmm. and juggled the young family and the huge amount of hours to catch 20 babies, which is what you have to do to become a midwife and a whole heap of other things. But there have got to be 20 normal births and you have to catch the baby. So yeah, the hours, well, the, the mother delivers the baby, the mother births the baby and we just catch them. Basically, there's not you know, if everything's going well and the majority yes. of cases it is, we really are just catching the baby when it's born and supporting the mum through labour and, and that period afterwards. Yeah. Do you think having your own children, the time you went there, you said you had two two children, did that help you, I suppose, put yourself into the position of the woman who is, who is giving birth and just have that different level of empathy than you would have had if you learned as a, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old through university? I think so. I think there's benefits both ways because when we've been through labour and birth, we know it the way we um, had it ourselves. And then so we assume that that's what, how other people are feeling it. So it can be a good or a bad thing, but I really think it set me up to have that empathy and to even just to understand how you feel in pregnancy and the heavy feeling and the um you know the the waddling towards the end and all of those things and then to understand the shock of becoming a mum and holding your new baby and often really not knowing what to do with them that's right that's right I mean nothing really prepares you does it you can you can read you can you can go attend the various classes but holy when it's when it's your little bundle (laughs) it's it's a different world because I found teaching for me once I had my own children I, I could see things through a different pair of eyes. And it, yes. I think it made me a better teacher for sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just just that different little. And, and the, the way that you can communicate with a parent, it gives you that a little bit more of authority as well because, yeah, as a parent, you can speak as a parent sometimes, but when you don't, when you, you, know, you don't have your own children, it's sometimes hard to be seen as, as an expert. Well, you don't have kids, whereas I suppose having... Yeah. And I've had parents actually say that to me. Do you have children? And they're kind of qualifying me based on that. It it, it also means I can give, I guess, um, knowledge and information that's evidence-based as well as being realistic 
of what new mums can actually do Mm. and not asking them to do things that just would seem so unfair, which if you hadn't had a baby yourself and understood the sleep deprivation and those sorts of things, you you might have unrealistic expectations. That's true. That's exactly Mm. right. Yeah. Never thought of it like that, but (laughs) (laughs) that sleep deprivation is a big one. Now, did you travel much through your nursing career or were you based in your hometown for for most of it? I did my grad year down in Melbourne at Cabrini and that was an amazing start to nursing. And then I moved back to Ballarat and had my first baby. So uh, the rest of my career has been in Ballarat since then. Yeah. Hmm. So you you mentioned that you had two children when you were studying and but you've got four children in total. So how has... Uh, a nursing career um, been when you're raising four children as well? It's been amazing because of the shift work aspect and it's really allowed me to work part-time around the children. Yes. So I would often do a late shift that started at, say, 2, 2 p.m. and finished at 10 p.m. And so the children might go to childcare just for the afternoon. I also did a lot of weekend work night duty we all had to do and that meant the kids could stay with their dad and he could parent and enjoy that time alone with the children as well yeah and then I went back and studied again to do maternal child health so I went back and did a master's in child family and community nursing and I did that when I had all four my youngest was in kindergarten so I had children spread across high school primary school and kindergarten so it was a juggle. It would have been a huge juggle for you. And because you've had that experience in different areas along the, the path from the pregnancy side of things through to the birthing, through to after, you know, looking after the the, the mum and the baby when they they've left hospital. What's your which one do you prefer and what's your what's your favorite part of, of whatever that job might be? My favorite is I guess that from after the birth when the mum and the dad, but it's mainly mums I work with, where they become a mother and learn how they want to parent and find their own pathway and get to try out all the different options and uh, I guess not be stuck in what they thought being a mother was going to be like mm. because it's it's different than what you can ever imagine. And, you know, I had some pretty big ideas of how I wanted to mother but once I became a mother that all changed when I realized what caring for a baby is really like and I guess getting realistic I was going to have you know all the home cooked meals and baking and the house was going to be beautiful and clean and it's really not like that early on it's a 24-hour job just keeping the baby fed keeping the nappy changed and maybe occasionally having a shower yourself yeah. uh so I, I just love seeing mums, I guess, going through that learning to be a mum and supporting them to enjoy it because mm. it can be all work and no fun without support. Yeah. Have you seen the difference in pressures for so in, in the time that you've been working in this area for the, the mums? Like I, I can just imagine, I, I know what it was like for me and the pressures that, you know, you, you put on yourself to be the, the perfect mum, like you said, it was going to be like this and like that. But now there's so many other outside influences. Social that, media. 
Yes. You know, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse for so many things. Because you know, I love it. The highlights to put on there, <laughs> put and on that's, their Insta feed or whatever. But I mean, that's, that's what that's, you're seeing. It is the highlight yes. reel of their life. It's yeah. not. It's not really what that 24 hours was like for that family. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think everyone's doing that, which makes sense. But it gives us all, and uh, I guess we're all striving to be that perfect. And when you're a new mum that's sleep deprived and you see someone else putting this lovely outing they've had with their baby and big smiles on their faces. And they all look beautiful. There's no blood anywhere. There's no no breast milk leaking on the shirt. No, no, everything's perfect. It's really hard to strive for and it's unfair. So I do remind mums frequently that that's not real and you don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and and do they take that on board? I think they do intellectually, but I think emotionally it's still quite upsetting. Yeah. It's hard to, and because many of us see being a mum as our most important job in life, like we really want to do well with it. And you don't want to, no one wants to screw their children up. We all want to do a really good job. So it's so important that they feel like if they're not able to do that, then maybe they're failing. And, of course, they're not, but it, yeah, it still can really pull it for heartstrings. Oh, for sure, for Mm. sure. And you are now working in a different role as a maternal and child health nurse. Can you explain what that is? Because I've I've got a vague idea, but it wasn't like I never experienced that, so I don't really know what it is. So can you, other people might know, but I've got no idea. I'm based in Victoria. So every state has a slightly different service and we've got a different name in most states as well. In Victoria, all maternal child health nurses are nurses and midwives. And Mm. then they've done further postgraduate study to practice in the area. So they're highly skilled. And we have an amazing free service here that sees new mums within two weeks of the baby being born at home. And then we invite them into the centre after that up till their child is three and a half years old. So we do all the the weighing and the measuring and the growth, but also the developmental checks. We do vision screening. We do, um, you know, um, autism checks, all of those kind of things. Always, we're, we're not diagnostic, so we're always just looking for red flags, I guess, of when babies or mums need to be referred off and then we can refer them off to the appropriate service after that so it's an amazing role absolutely yeah we're obviously very talented and ambitious as well Belinda because um, not all nurses and people who are in your position decide to write a book but you've also written a book can you tell me what what I led did. to that yeah that's huge what led led you to do that I realized there were no books out there for new mums written by someone with my qualifications. So there were no other maternal child health nurses who'd written a book. And yet there were lots of celebrities and mums who perhaps didn't really have any qualifications in that area, but wanted to share their their take on being a parent. Personal experience. Yes. And I just, some of those books were not helpful for my clients. They were getting upset trying to follow routines that were quite unrealistic or they'd come in crying. I've done everything that was in my book, but it doesn't work. And I'm obviously a failure. Mm. And I'd look at what who'd written the book and I'd say, you know, the information in this book isn't really right. And you were destined to fail. So 
I wanted to put a book out there that had everything in it that I wish I had had when I had my first baby and to really help more people than what I could help when just seeing them one-to-one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've had the experience of, of, of thousands now, haven't you? It's not just your own or a couple of, of couple of children or, or, or women. It's over 20, 22 years now. Oh, yeah. No, that's a vast, mm. a huge yeah. amount of experience behind you for that. So where can, like uh, most of the ladies, or oh, no, I won't say just ladies, because there are, are, are men who listen as well, but most of the listeners to the podcast are beyond the stage of, of having a little baby but they will have and know of women in their life that that do have have a young child. Um, where can they find the book if they wanted to? Is that something that? Yes. Yep. They can. Any good bookstore should okay. have it available, yep. and all the online bookstores certainly do. And you can also go to BelindaJoyce.com. Okay. Well, and purchase it. There. All those links will be. Yep. Will be on the the information on the show notes. So that that's great. Then they can do that or go to the website directly. Yes. Perfect. Good. Now, so you're author, huge amount of experience. You've got other plans for your future as well and the change, a slight change in direction. So what's led to the change and why? I guess for the same reasons that I wrote the book, I want to get more information out there and more support out there for new mums than what's available now. And I just think new mums deserve more and deserve better and there's so many mums out there who don't have any backup and perhaps they are rural like you were joe mm-hmm. where there there's no there's no mums group to go to there's no mm-hmm. um or they go to a, a parent group or a mums group and it doesn't really suit them so i have developed the baby circle which is a, a fabulous community of uh new new mums or mums with a baby maybe late in the pregnancy all the way up until their baby's two mm-hmm. where they can we can meet up online so they can do it from anywhere they can be in their pajamas if they want to there's no dressing up there's no pretending that everything's perfect yeah. but it's a place where we can come together and support each other as well as learn more about how babies work because yeah. if we understand, for instance, with sleep, if we understand how babies sleep, it makes it so much easier to fix some of the sleep issues that a baby might have. Yeah. And also there's a lot of conflicting information out there. So if you know it's coming from somebody who really is working in the field with the up-to-date knowledge and all that experience and, and education behind them, that would make it. takes good. away all that Googling yeah, yeah. too. Yes. So not yeah. Googling and then not knowing who to trust and getting conflicting advice yeah. and also getting out of, you know, some of those Facebook mums groups, the free Facebook mums groups are pretty harsh and judgmental. Yeah. Our group has yeah. none of none of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, you don't want that sort of toxic environment when you're when you're a bit tender and, and emotional too as a as a as a mum trying to do her best. And the communicate, I suppose also the the community that that would be amongst the, the yes. women who, who jump on be very special. Yes. And yeah. we've set up a Facebook group so that there's there's always someone you can talk to. There's always someone who can give you some ideas or, you know, say that's amazing to your successes and share photos, that kind of thing. That that's again, and we'll put the links in the show notes so people can find more information about that and refer that sort of 
uh, yeah, something that's really special. Refer that on to somebody else who might they might know needs it. So it's, I know for me, and I'll speak personally, that just the ups and downs when you decide to change your career or the direction of your career, you know, it's not always not always smooth and it's not always easy. And and it's like, I suppose you can put everything beautifully up on Instagram or anything, but I've been fairly transparent on, on you know, that it is, it is hard, but when you get there, it's great. Um, <laughs> has it been difficult for you while you're, you know, to try to make those changes and, and, and find your own path? Absolutely. I think uh, anyone who does something different is looked at and questioned and and judged a little bit. Mm. Um, even just writing the book, I had people say, well, why'd you do that? And, and how did you have the time? But it was just so important to me to do it that I found the time. And I used to get up very early in the morning and get all of, all of that writing done. So I have had people, and probably still do, who are even in my industry and just don't understand. And, you know, how can you go live on Instagram and talk to people you don't even know? And mm. it's just so important to me to get the message out there and to make sure, I guess, that I can offer something different and better than what I'm already doing in my other, I guess, paid role. Yeah, yeah. And as well, if you take yourself out of it and you think about the people who might need to hear what you're about to say, that that's hard. But but being there and being, know you're being judged probably from the people that you care about the most sometimes. Yes, yes, it can it can be hard. And they they're just trying to protect me, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But I know that there are so many women out there who do need mums who really need this support. Yes. And it doesn't matter how I feel if I'm doing an Instagram live, I need to get that message out and I don't want to keep it secret. Yeah. No, oh, that's really special. Now you um, have got, we, and we talked before we hit the record button, You've out of your four children, you've had three who have left the nest now and mm-hmm. you've got your daughter who's not far off. How's that going for you? Well, it's a bit of a shock to the system because I guess I've talked about how being a mum was so important and I know I'll always be a mum whether they live at home or not uh, but I it's been a really big part of my identity so I loved being a mum picking children up dropping children off doing all the fun things that you do at home cooking together um, you know with four children there was always a lot of work to be done around the house <laughs> so we always did a lot of teamwork yeah. and that's taught them how to be independent when they've left as well uh but yes I've only got one left and she turns 17 soon Mm. uh and one more year at school next year and then she'll probably head off to university as well so uh I am going to have to readjust so I'm not only readjusting in my career but also readjusting in my home life and my identity yeah Oh, it, it and it's and it's such a big shift, and it leaves a you know can leave a big gap in your life. So to prepare beforehand is well is really helpful. But even when, again, it's it's kind of like childbirth. It's not you don't realize what it's going to be like until it actually happens. It it can be, even with the best preparations, it yeah, it, it yeah. can be upsetting. I think I'm going to be, and to that be prepared person. for that and to accept that and to know that is and yeah, I think the community of women. Um, who are listen who listen to the podcast 
a lot of them understand that as well. Yes. And and it's lovely when there's that support network. Mm. Now, Belinda, it's seen fairly natural and acceptable to support women through the changes during pregnancy, childbirth, early stages of motherhood, blah, blah, blah. Then the support basically disappears. And you, you know, you you muddle your way through the children growing up. How important do you think it is to support women through uh, as they're going through the menopause transition and beyond? It's it's imperative. I think, yeah, we we talk a lot about you know even puberty and, and girls getting their first periods and supporting them through that. All the hormonal changes that we have with pregnancy are supported so well, and then we get to that perimenopause and menopause time. And apart from people sort of talking about hot flushes, there's not much more out there that that we talk about socially and publicly with women and even less talked about with many health professionals. So I, I, I think there needs to be a lot more support and a lot more understanding across the board, especially by employers really understanding what women are going through. It's a massive change that many women do not breeze through uh, and and don't really expect. Mm. And like like the emptiness, it can take you by surprise. Yes, yes, (laughs) definitely. There's a a lot of things that can happen. There's the good, the bad and the ugly. So, yeah, being prepared helps. Being being educated on what could possibly happen helps and know that there's support there, you know, if, if certain things come your way. And listening to this podcast, I think, is a really great start. Oh, that's number one, Belinda. Well done. <laughs> of top course. Marks. Yes. Top marks. Thank you. Top marks for you. <laughs> but you have the experts on who really do break yeah. it down and yeah. as well as your own knowledge, which is immense. It's yeah. really helpful to, to know that we're not alone when we're going through this. Yeah. And that's just one side of what happens at this stage of life is the hormonal shifts and then the emptiness is another side that can happen for some women if they've, if they've had children. But there's also lots to look forward to, you know. There's Absolutely. A, what are you looking forward to in the second half of life? Well, I've got the first, my eldest, getting married next year. So we're oh, going through all true. these new stages now. Yeah. Yeah. So she's getting married next year and who knows when the next one, you know, he's settled down with his partner as well. So who knows when that could happen. I love visiting my children. So they, the Children who've left home are in different towns to me, so I have to go and visit them, and I love it. We have day trips, we have sleepovers, we have, um, we really have a lot of fun. And the the four children themselves, you know, they have their own group chats and their own secrets that they don't tell us parents, but they get along so well. They're like each other's cheer squad, yeah. and I I really love that, and it makes me feel like I've I've done a really good job because they actually genuinely love each other. They they still have their problems like any relationship. They're not perfect, but I'm really looking forward to just spending more time with them as adults. Mm. It's a completely different relationship that you start to have with your children. It's lovely, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, what words of advice or message would you want to give people who are listening about this stage of life? Oh, I think try to be flexible and look for every opportunity and um, and enjoy it. Don't, you know, even the bits that aren't perhaps as good, 
I try not to complain about it. I try to be curious about it. And, you know, if there's some bad symptoms you've got, you don't have to put up with it. There are lots of treatments and and things out there that, that can help. So go and see your GP. But otherwise, I think roll with it. And you've got all this experience now at this age. It allows you to, I guess, be a lot more flexible and to look for the opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you're a great example of somebody who is actually talking the talk. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's easy. Oh, and walking, walking the talk, I should say, talking the walk and walking the talk. (laughs) Because what you're doing is it's, it's one thing to think about it and it's one thing to dream about it, but to actually go and do it is something else. So congratulations for being brave and taking those steps. Thank you very much. I think you've done exactly the same thing. Yeah, well, and it's and it's great for women to be able to see and to hear and know that there are other, you know, if you're a bit a bit unhappy or there's or you know there's more to it, start exploring, start to think about what you can have and do in your career. Because I've had lots of different sorts of women coming on from all various professions and 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 jobs and experience, and they've gone in different directions. So you know, there's there's great examples out there. So go back through the the podcast uh, episodes mm-hmm. and find these women and give yourself that permission to explore and and take a step towards a different direction. And it's just never too late. No, that's it. We can keep changing and evolving. I don't know if I'll still be doing exactly the same thing in ten years. I'm happy to keep trying new things. Yeah. Well, I hope I'm not doing the same thing in ten years. Yes. I hope it's evolved over that time because you go, you know, 10 years time, I'll, that, I'll be nearly 66 years old. God, I want to be doing other things as well as probably continuing with some of the stuff that I'm doing now. But yeah, we yeah. change and we evolve. Mm. We should change and we should evolve, I should we say. We should. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Belinda, my final question for you is if you could look into the future, what do you hope 80-year-old Belinda will say about current day Belinda? Ooh. I hope that 80-year-old Belinda really is proud of what I've done and um, glad that I made the changes that I've made and put myself out there in a way that uh, I never thought I would be able to. I, I think 80-year-old Belinda will be happy that that I helped so many families and new mums to really truly enjoy their babies and their families. Mm. That's very special. Yeah, well, I hope that's my passion. Yeah, 80-year-old Belinda needs to listen to this this episode and just remind herself how amazing she was when you're in your, <laughs> in your middle of life. I'll, I'll... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for coming on, Belinda. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much for listening and sharing your time with me today. I'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple Podcast or your favourite podcast app and leave a five-star rating and review. To keep spreading these empowering messages, please share this podcast with other incredible midlife women in your world. Join me again next week for another redefining midlife conversation. Thanks again for tuning in.